a tree, a tax collector, and Jesus. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. We're so glad you've joined us again today as we look at another event in the life of Jesus. And I have to say, this one brings back some memories. David, when I was a little girl, I spent a lot of time climbing trees out in our farm in Texas. We had these big oak trees, and my brother and I would wake up in the morning and start climbing trees. We'd climbed every tree on our farm and and the neighbor's trees too. I loved that feeling of climbing up into those oak trees and then looking out over the farm, the pasture. We could see way into the distance. I loved that feeling of that view from the top of a tree. Well, when I was a kid, I remember climbing trees too. Maybe not as many or as often as you did. But I like to climb trees, and I particularly remember my grandmother's house had a big mimosa tree in the front yard. And I had a lot of cousins, and I remember on special occasions, you know, we would all be over there, and we would all be climbing the mimosa tree to see what we could see, you know, to see far. So I guess trees were kind of like our ladders, (laughs) just to see further down the road, I guess. But it was fun to climb trees. I think part of that was because we were little. And so that climbing that tree made us tall, made us see things that we couldn't see before. And that's exactly what this story is about. We're introduced to a man named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was not a tall man. He was an adult, but he was not tall. And he heard that Jesus was coming through his town. So he decided to get a better view by climbing up sycamore tree or a sycamore fig tree, as some versions say, to get a better view. But Jesus is coming through town on his way to somewhere, right? He is. Our story takes place in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Yeah, Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem, and he has been reminding his disciples who are traveling with him that's where he's going, to Jerusalem, because he has a destiny in Jerusalem. And Jesus had laid out that plan, his destiny, even in the chapter before this one, in Luke chapter 18, verses 31 through 34, he's sharing with his disciples that he is going to die. He is going to die and be buried and raise up again. So he's on his way for that to happen. He's on his way to Jerusalem, but he's stopping in Jericho. The city of Jericho was an ancient city. In fact, archaeologists say that it's one of the oldest cities in the world. It's famous or infamous because in the Old Testament, after Israel left Egypt and they were going into the Promised Land, you know, Jericho was the first city that fell to the Israelites. And we know the story of the walls of Jericho falling. So there is, it has significance. And so this story takes place in the city of Jericho. And this road between Jericho and Jerusalem, we've heard about before. That's the road where we read about the story of the Good Samaritan. I was looking on Google Maps, and it takes 
today in today's you know if you use the walkways today it takes eight hours and 21 minutes according to google to walk from jericho to jerusalem so it's a good walk i actually looked on the satellite picture and it is barren it's rough territory mountainous hilly but on the satellite picture it just looks brown it's not a very inviting walk but this is the walk they were on going towards jerusalem and you're walking uphill as Mm. well from jericho to jerusalem but if we come back to zacchaeus he's an interesting character in my mind he's He's a go-getter. He's a tax collector, which already is, they don't have a very good reputation, but he is somebody that knows how to make money. He reads people. He knows that Jesus is coming through town. He knows how to position himself in the best place to see Jesus. So he he is a go-getter. He was a resourceful person. He wasn't just a tax collector. It says he was wealthy, a very important tax collector, a chief tax collector. He was in charge of a lot of other tax collectors in the whole region. He had a position of importance because of that. So is that sort of the Roman system? Like they didn't just collect taxes from people. They had tax collectors do that work. And even those tax collectors answered to someone else. They collected money from the people, handed it to a higher-up tax collector, and finally it worked its way to Rome. Right. Rome was very efficient in the way it administered its empire, and Jerusalem at this time was occupied by Rome. So in all of those steps along the way, those different tax collectors at every step would keep some of that money. Now, some of that may be just their, what would be normally expected as their pay, but there was nothing really stopping them from taking extra, and they had a reputation for doing that. Tax collectors had a very bad reputation for doing that. They were had reputation of being thieves that would collect a lot more than what they were supposed to. It was easy money. And so he was not only wealthy by being a tax collector, but because he was a a top one, a chief one, he would have even been more wealthy. So tax collectors were hated for two reasons. First of all, they were hated because they were traitors. They sold themselves out to the enemy, to Rome, because Rome was the occupying people. And they were oppressive, very oppressive of the people as well. And so they were considered as traitors to their own people, and they were thieves, or they were considered thieves. They would take more than what they were supposed to take, and often would take a lot more than what they were supposed to take. Yeah, traitors and thieves. And yet there was something about Zacchaeus. I find it really interesting. Even before Jesus arrived in town, he knew that he needed to see this person. And he positioned himself in this tree so he could. And when Jesus came along, it must have been shocking to everyone when Jesus turned to Zacchaeus and looked up at him and said, come down. I'm coming to your house today. Very shocking. In verse 7, it says, all the people saw this and began to complain. Look at the kind of man Jesus stays with. Zacchaeus is a sinner. 
Jesus often did not follow the normal social conventions because he had a more important purpose. And Zacchaeus was a man that would not have had many or even any friends. He would have been a man who would have been ostracized. People would not associate with Zacchaeus. They definitely would not go into his house and would not eat with him. But Jesus says, I'm going to your house, Zacchaeus, with the intention of eating with Zacchaeus. Well, we've talked about other events in the life of Jesus where he does eat at the homes of important people. I'm thinking of Pharisee before in another story, and he was not welcomed in this way. Zacchaeus was pleased, it says, that Jesus came to his house. He was excited about this. And something about Jesus inspired Zacchaeus, touched him. I don't know if Jesus said a a lot. I don't know what went on exactly. But there was something about Jesus that made Zacchaeus really change his mind about how he should be. And I wish we were privy to the kind of conversation that Jesus had with Zacchaeus. We move from verse 7 to where the people are complaining that Jesus is going to stay with this man. And then in verse 8, Zacchaeus is saying, I'm going to change my life. So it'll be very interesting to listen to this conversation that Jesus had with Zacchaeus. But Jesus is very compelling. Well, I think it's significant that the people... Not just what they thought about Jesus, but what they thought about Zacchaeus. You know, they had him labeled. They all knew what Zacchaeus was. And I think in life, a lot of us start listening to what other people say we are, and that's where we stay. Once we kind of are known as a certain way, we almost think it's impossible to change. Why try? Everybody knows I'm hopeless and useless. I I don't see any reason to change. Nobody would believe me if I said I wanted to do good things from now on, so it's not worth trying. I I think it's significant that Zacchaeus changes despite what all of these people think of him. He's not going to let that hold him back. We don't know if Zacchaeus was the stereotypical bad guy tax collector, but we do know what he does. He wants to make things right. He wants to do what is right. He wants to turn his life around. He pledges and he promises. He says, I will give half of my money to the poor. Remember, he's a very wealthy man. That's a big promise on his part to give away a lot of money. And then he says, if I have cheated anyone or defrauded anyone, I will pay that person back four times more. He wouldn't know if he cheated because he would keep records of all of this. And what Zacchaeus does, he actually goes beyond what the law requires. Because if we go back to the law, back to the book of Leviticus, in chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, it talks about what happens if you steal something from someone, whether it's their cattle or animals or, or whatever, or if you defrauded someone. The law said that you had to pay back what was stolen. So if you stole a sheep, you had to pay a sheep back. Plus, you had to pay a fifth more than what you stole. So you had to actually not just pay back what you owed, but more. Well, here Zacchaeus says he promises to pay back fourfold. So he goes far beyond what the law required, which just tells us what his heart was truly like. He really wanted to do 
what is right, even more than what was actually required by the law. You know, it goes back to what I said earlier about Zacchaeus being a mover and shaker. You know, he he was used to getting things done. I'm noticing just in the verses as we read through just how quickly he moves. You know, in verse 4, he ran ahead to a place so he could see Jesus. And even Jesus, when he talked to Zacchaeus, he said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. And then Zacchaeus came down quickly. There's this intention. There's this quickness about this. Almost think of those kind of people, and we all know them, that, you know, can calculate so quickly in their head. You know, I'm often in like a budget meeting with somebody, and I'm not good at math, but I'm thinking of one guy I know this elderly gentleman, and he can look at a bunch of numbers, and he comes out quickly. He sees exactly what it is. He calculates it and knows what needs to be done. And I'm thinking Zacchaeus has done that in this situation. He's not sitting around. He meets Jesus. He encounters them. He counts the cost. He tallies it all up, and he knows exactly what he needs to do. He is a person that gets things done, and he even applies that now to his heart. He's going to get it done. He's going to try his best to make it right. And I find it interesting that Zacchaeus was a very wealthy man. And it's a contrast with the rich ruler in chapter 18. Jesus encounters a rich ruler. Now, this rich ruler was a man who followed the law because he wanted to have eternal life. And Jesus says, well, do this, you know, follow the law. And he says, I have, but what do I lack? Jesus says, you need to sell everything and give to the poor and follow me. And he couldn't do that. So you have someone in chapter 18 who was wealthy but could not part with his wealth, even though he was a law-abiding person. Here you have someone who is not, who is a sinner, a tax collector, a traitor, and a thief, at least by reputation, and a wealthy man, but he gives away his wealth to be right, to follow Jesus. They're in contrast to one another, and that challenges us. Who are we like? Are we like this rich ruler or Zacchaeus? This is just one of the many stories in the chapters leading up to Zacchaeus. But the whole section of Scripture, starting in Luke 15, talks about lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. These different people that in society's eyes are lost. They've lost their way and they should be following, but they're not. All these lost people and lost things. And I love how this story of Zacchaeus ends, this section of Scripture. In verse 9, Jesus said, Salvation has come to this house today. This man truly belongs to the family of Abraham. The Son of Man came to find lost people and save them. You know, we often read that in the general sense of Jesus came to save the world, but here's an individual. We get a glimpse of what this means in the life of an individual man, Zacchaeus. So Mary, how would you outline the story? Well, I think it's fairly straightforward in one sense. It's just kind of a chronological telling, but I think I would say... Verses 1 through 4, this is Luke 19, verses 1 through 4, Zacchaeus climbs a tree to get a better look at Jesus. 
And then verses 5 through 6, Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. Verse 7, the people judge. Verse 8, Zacchaeus repents. And then verses 9 and 10, I just have here, Jesus states his purpose. He's here to seek and save the lost. That's how I would outline it. All right. There's a lot more we can say, but what about in the children's class? What can children learn from this story? Well, I think, first of all, children can really relate to this person, Zacchaeus. He's little. Zacchaeus is not a tall man, and children feel that every day. I think teachers need to, when they're teaching, especially younger children, just as an exercise, when there's no kids around, just get down on your knees and try to make your eyes the same level as the students you teach, and just look around. Things really look different from that view. If you've put posters up really high, they can't see them. If the chairs are too big, they can't reach them. Often in worship, we're asking children to pay attention and listen. They can't even see the preacher because they're shorter. They're sitting in that pew trying to figure out what to do with their legs. They can't bend their knees, and their parents are telling them to listen to the preacher. Where is he? Can't even see him. So it's a whole different world. So kids really relate to this and have fun with that. They can think what it would be like. To need to climb a tree. This doesn't work everywhere, but I can tell you, I've had so much fun having children climb trees. We climb a tree and tell this story. It's a lot of fun. Not for everyone, but I think that's a lot of fun. Of course, if you're doing crafts, you would probably do something with a tree. Paint a picture of a tree trunk before class, and then children can paint on all the leaves. Those are crafty kind of things, but at the heart of it, I I do want children to understand what it means to change, to repent. Here's a man that just, he knew he needed to change. He didn't just say, oh, I'm sorry, I won't do it again. He actually changed his heart, his mind, his attitude, and then he went so far as to try to make it right, try to fix the things as best he could, that had that he had been a part of messing up. He, tr- he tried to make it right. I want children to know that because often we adults just say, say you're sorry, and we leave it at that. But there's more to it than that. It's helping to make it right. What about in the adult class, David? In an adult class, we'd talk about Zacchaeus. I would maybe focus on Zacchaeus and what he said he would do. He wanted to give halfway his money to the poor and to pay back, if he cheated anybody, pay that person back four times as much. So I would talk about that repentance is more than just saying sorry. It's actually doing something. It's making things right. And I would ask the question, can you think of any examples of people doing something wrong and then making things right? What do they do to make things right? And so I would just let the class talk about that. For instance, often when someone gets caught doing something wrong in the community, and so they go to trial, often the punishment or the sentence would involve community service, not not doing time in prison, but doing community service. And that's a way of making things right, of paying back what you've taken from the community. So that would be an example. This story touches my heart, David. It's not just about being told you're wrong. It's also 
like in Zacchaeus's instance, it's about being inspired by Jesus. Just being around Jesus makes you want to change. It makes you want to be better. And I'm inspired by Zacchaeus. I want to be better. I want to do the right thing. I want to please Jesus. And I'm willing to do that even if people think I can't. I know I can because Jesus will help me. So for me, this is important, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with the children in my life. And may God bless you as you speak into the lives of adults and children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's Word with children.